Holly's preaching the good word today. Let's go. All right, Proverbs, all of July, all of August, we're still in Proverbs. We're just going to be just going down this road of life lessons through Proverbs because a Proverbs a day keeps what away? Yep, the stupid away. We got to keep that thing away from us in this day and age. So welcome, my lovely wife, a woman of God. All right, so you all have your handout, so you already know what I'm talking about. But who likes money? Be honest. Like, if I was like, who wants my $100 bill right here? Would you raise your hand and take it? <laughs> the teens are being honest. They're like, yeah, we like money. <laughs> They're all, yeah. So anyway, I have become really passionate about, like, basically kingdom finance stuff because it's super fun because God is the God of everything, right? And there's a lot of beautiful principles about finances and wealth and possessions in the Bible and in God's kingdom. And it's kind of like this controversial topic because I think even outside of the church, it's kind of like you can't ask somebody, how much money do you make or how much money did that cost or things like that, right? It's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like shame or yeah, anyway, that's not what I'm going to talk about. So you can figure that stuff out on your own. Like, why, why is it this, like, taboo topic? But, um, but really, God has ways for us to live out with our finances. And um, there's meant to be a blessing in that place, right? But we have to get kingdom principles down to be able to live that out. So um, in your handout, I'm not going to talk about all this stuff because we could do a whole series on it, right? Um, So we're just going to like go through a little smattering of some basic principles because there's lots of verses on Proverbs in the Bible. But guess what? Did you know, just in case you are not convinced at all yet, that um, God really cares about money and our finances. Did you know it's one of the very most talked about things in the entire Bible? There are roughly 2,350 verses concerning money in the Bible. That's almost twice as many as verses about faith and prayer combined. And we all know faith is important and we all know prayer is important, right? So why is money important to God? That is one of the questions, right? Which maybe I'll be able to answer. Maybe not. Um, But anyway, okay, so we're just going to go through some basic principles because I think there may be some more random thing that God wants to speak to some of you today, and then I'm going to hone in on one of, I think, the most important principles about finances. But maybe somebody in here needs God to convict them about debt, or maybe there's somebody out there that... God wants to speak to you about not chasing after wealth or maybe recognizing your priorities or something, right? So we're just going to kind of go through. You all have it in front of you, so I don't know if I want to, like, read all of them, but um, should I not read all of them? Okay. (laughs) So please read these on your own. Post them up somewhere in your room and read and meditate on all the verses. But okay, so I'll just kind of go through some like key truths that I think are important that are from these verses. I might like point to a few of them. But um, okay, well, let me start with this. First of all, I think that 
There's a couple sort of overarching principles to me. Um, one is just recognizing that everything we have is a gift from God, right? And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why um, God does care a lot about money in our lives is because a lot of times where our money is, that is where our heart goes. And it's sort of this way that he tests us to, to see if we'll trust him and to see if we will um, just give him everything. And so it's actually so cool because, you know, we just sort of trust the Holy Spirit a lot in this church. And I don't think that the worship team had any clue what I was talking about. And um, I had no idea what they would play. But if you notice, there was sort of a theme through the songs today, right? Which was really a lot about just surrender and like giving God our everything, right? So that's really what I'm going to be talking about. So perfect. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, so anyway, it's kind of this way that like, where are our hearts, right? Like, are we willing to trust God with everything? Or are we willing to live this life of surrender? So that's kind of what I'm going to really talk about. But um, just a, a few other principles um, about it is that we need to be, this is another big passion of mine, is just the call to be in faith with everything in our lives, right? Like, what is God saying to us? What is he calling us to do? And are we in obedience with that? Or are we kind of going off over here? Even if it's not like sin, like it's not bad, but it are, whatever is not of faith is sin, right? So if it's not what God's called us to and not what he's saying, so what does that have to do with what I'm talking about? It has to do with, there might be some of us in here that God has called to have abundant wealth, right? And we need to be in faith with that and not be ashamed of that and not like run away from that because we think that it's unholy to have wealth, right? And there might be some of us that he's called to live really, really simply, and maybe we won't ever have a lot of money. And that's okay too. That there's not One is not more holy or better than the other. It's what has God called us to, and are we being in faith with that, right? Um, and there's a proverb, one of them, I under my little title, I put the bold titles in, hopefully you figured that out, but um, balance, which is basically um, this proverb saying, two things I ask of you, Lord, like, um, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And I was, I've read, um, I taught an economics class to two of these kids back here, Caleb and Samuel and other high schoolers. And I made them read all sorts of stuff about kingdom finances. So we had a great time this last semester. And um, one of the things that we read in one of the books was that like a poverty spirit, um, or actually like a, what was it exactly? Um, like basically people can idolize wealth, you know, and sometimes the people who do that the most are actually the poor because it's always like, what do I not have? What do I not have? Um, so there's definitely not this like, oh, I'm more holy because I'm poor sort of thing, right? Like how he's saying, I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. But also clearly we can fall into a trap when we do have plenty of not continuing to rely on God. So we, we want to like just have balance in our hearts, I think more than just like, well here, you have to live this way where it's like you don't ever have abundance and you don't ever not have enough. But, um, but I think also we can see scripturally too, that if we put in practice, um, the principles God's given us, there are promises that he is going to provide and he actually is a God of abundance. So 
we'll talk about that a little bit too. But um, so, okay, key truths. God wants us to trust him in everything, not just in our money or possessions. He wants us to acknowledge that all we have comes from him and he wants us to give it back to him, right? Um, and he wants us to live generously with both him and others. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but the Bible also clearly warns us about going into debt. Right, and there's some verses on that. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender, and that's a huge problem in our country today. Huge. If you've ever studied it, if you look at the numbers, like people are just buried in debt, and it's really, really a lot of bondage that a lot of Americans are under, and including our government. So we won't get into all that, but um, there's a problem, and there's a. It starts with how we picture or how we're perceiving our realities, right? So. Um, especially since many of you are young. In fact, that was, I made all my students tell me at the end of the class, what were some of your key takeaways? And definitely the most predominant one was don't go into debt. I'm like, well, that's a really good one to have gotten from it. So, um, but also the Bible is very clear on where to care for the poor and not oppress people. Um, we need to remember that not only is money fleeting, but our lives are as well. And we need to store up our treasures in heaven, not on earth, which we read this book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity by Randy Alcorn, which I would highly recommend. Um, and the whole thing was just having this bigger vision for eternity and like really calling us to store up our treasures there. Um, so that's a big one. Then there's also, and I told Jason I wanted two weeks, but he's not giving them to me. So, um... <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You guys are going to go home and read these and memorize them and you'll get it. But um, on the back side, there's a lot on hard work and stewardship, right? And that was, that was another thing I kind of, that's what I could spend another week talking on is just stewardship in general. But, um, you know, they're like, for example, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth, right? So our all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So we want to be people who work hard. There is a reward for our work. Um, and that's, that's a key principle as well. Then we are called to be good stewards of that which he has entrusted to us, and to those he can trust more will be given. And that's a huge biblical principle that is really huge and applies to every area of our lives. So if you don't know anything about that, learn stuff about that. But stewardship is really important. And, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And those who can steward what God gives them, he will bless with more, right? So... Um, okay, and then last, just little throwing out key things before I focus in on something is um, we need to always keep money and wealth in its proper place and remember that wisdom, righteousness, love, peace, etc., are of much greater value in this life and the next. And we already know from several of the Proverbs studies and anybody who's read Proverbs at all, the whole key theme is wisdom, right? So um, clearly wisdom is, you know, and Alan talked about this, but um, it like the last two verses where it talks about um, my fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. And then the last one, choose my instruction instead of silver knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. And there's lots of others. One, I really love this verse. Maybe it's because I was a vegan for a while, but better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. I do eat lots of meat now, so I you know, I can go either way with that, but, um, I love vegetables, but clearly the point is, um, that it's better to have love 
then to have, you know, because in that culture, a fattened calf was like, oh, go kill the fattened calf. Like that's the, we're feasting now, right? Um, But love is better, right? And there's lots of other good ones. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Amen, right? Anybody who's had family that fights, like, yeah, let's get some peace in here. Um, Okay, so now we're going to focus in on what I really want to talk about today, because it's what I felt like the Lord highlighted, which is basically the principle of first fruits. So um, do you, did you guys get my slide? I sent you the Okay, perfect. So here's our two key verses for today, which both come from Proverbs 3. I'm kind of flipping the order of them, but um, so... Oh, can you put both of them up at the same time, or does that not work? It's okay if you can't, but I kind of wanted them both up the whole time. All right, so anyway, let's just read this. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And then Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And this whole passage in Proverbs, all of Proverbs 3 is great, actually. But um, this whole first section was super good. And I, it was funny because I wanted to talk about those two verses. I didn't even realize they were so close to each other. But, um, I mean, at first, until I looked deeper. But, yeah. So, let's just start with Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. So, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So, what is, what is being said here? So, I mean, there's actually a promise, right? You guys see that? There's an if-then statement. Like, if you honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. And when we read scripture, we have to remember... You know, this is an agrarian society. Agriculture is like their thing. It's not like our 21st century with all our computers and tech jobs and stuff. So um, we want barns that are overflowing and we want vats that are brimming over with wine. That means we're doing well, right? Um, And they all grew things. And so their wealth was really their crops, their wine, all these things, the, the food basically of the land. Um, so this principle of first fruits, raise your hand if you've heard of this principle before. Yeah, okay, good, most of you. All right, awesome. So it's actually all throughout scripture, um, just basically this idea that the first belongs to the Lord. And in Hebrew culture, the firstborn son belonged to the Lord. That son was consecrated to the Lord and given back to Jesus or to the Father, to God. Um, The firstborn of the flock, that was usually like, that's what they made the sacrifices with. The first portion of the harvest. Tithe means the first 10%. So Um, we often talk about the tithe and we know that that means 10%, hopefully, right? But it's not just 10%. It's the first 10, which if you think about how interesting that really is, like you might not even know how much your 100% is going to be, right? But yet you give the first 10%. (laughs) Mathematically, I'm not sure how that works, but a lot of us do know, right? Like, okay, here's my paycheck. So I'm going to give the first 10%. And practically speaking, and some of this is very practical, right? Which is good. Practical can be good, right? Um, But practically speaking, that means you get paid and you don't go pay your bills first. And you don't like pay your taxes first. You, well, 
Most people have to pay your taxes first because it's taken out. But if you have to pay your taxes on your own, you give that first 10% to God and then you trust that he will bless and multiply the rest. And that's what I want to talk about right now is this idea that when really the reason we give the first 10% percent to God or the first fruits to God is, I mean, there's lots of reasons, but one is because it's showing, hey, God, I acknowledge this all belongs to you anyway, right? But the other thing is, is that it's because when we give the first, then that is what releases the grace and the faith for the rest to be blessed. And um, one of the places that we can see kind of a picture of that in the New Testament is when Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish. It's this principle of multiplication when we give the little that we have first. So I, I just love that. I, lo- I love multiplication. I don't like it in math class because I can never learn my multiplication tables, but in the kingdom and with wealth and things we need, I love the principle of multiplication. It's really a phenomenal principle that's actually all throughout scripture. So, um, you know, it's pretty basic. We don't wait and give the last tenth. We, you know, or see what's left over. So I'm sure you guys are good with all this stuff, but um, there's probably a lot of Christians that say, I can't afford to tithe, you know, but we don't say that because we can't not afford to tithe, right? Because you're not going to get the 100% or the 90% blessed and have enough for everything if you don't give the first 10%. It's just this principle. It's not a law. It's, It's just a gift. It's just like you reap what you sow, and this is how God made things work, just like gravity, right? Like you, if you jump out of a plane, you fall, so wear a parachute. I don't know. It's just how things work. So, um, and it's just this principle that he's set up. So everybody's getting that, right? So give your first 10%, tithe, and your barns will overflow. That It's like as simple as that. So, But I want to talk about... <laughs> Okay, well, I guess before I move on to um, the next thing, I will say I had to ask Jason this morning because you want to say or you want me to just share like, because, okay, because I don't, I, I am involved in our finances, but not, I didn't, I haven't made much money over the last 18 years as I've been a stay-at-home mom, and, you know, he gets the paycheck and he gives the money, so I was like, you did always give the first tenth, right? <laughs> The fear of the Lord came on me early this morning. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think for me and Holly, like, we've just learned to just trust the Lord, you know. And I think that's the journey we've been on even with kids. You know, we went through scripture and the Lord was like, hey, I've never put brakes on this. And we don't want, I don't want to control this in your guys' life. And so by faith, we were just like, hey, we're taking the goalie out and we're just going to trust the Lord. That's why we have so many kids, because we do know how they happen. Anyway. With money, we saw the same thing. It was like before the law came in, and that's what the law talks about, right? Like the law is gone. Like we're free in Christ. But before the law, Abraham tithes, you know, 10%, and he just gives that. And for me, I think we've just always just trusted God with our finances. And I found over, you know, I've pastored a lot of lives, but the people who are most concerned about finances are those that don't give across the board. 
the people who are in faith with their finances and are giving even in the tough times just know God's a provider. He's going to take care of them. So the only time I ever freaked out really about our finances, we were like in the ICU, our church was, um, and we were under kind of the vineyard a little, but we're still doing our own thing. And I was like, had this weird thought. I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. Why would I give? You know, like I barely get anything. I just need to keep this, you know? That was a freaking horrible like six months. I was just like, oh, you know, I just was not in a good place. And then as soon as we transitioned back to the place of giving, it was like, ah, thank you, Lord. (laughs) And so we have just crazy testimonies of God providing not only for us, but for this church community over the years. I mean, the field of dreams is a huge one, but there's been many crazy stories of like when we needed exact amount of money to do something in this church, like it would show up in our mailbox, like to the T, like the exact amount be like, dang, Lord, that's pretty cool. Um, Anyway, so yeah, is that good? Yeah, so it's cool, too, because part of our testimony with that is that um, for for sure the majority of our marriage, the numbers never made sense on paper. Like, the amount coming in did not cover the amount going out, especially, you know, living in Santa Barbara and having a bunch of kids and stuff. But we never lacked. Like, the Lord just... So that's the whole idea is, like, he multiplies what's left and makes it work supernaturally. But if you wait to see if there's anything left to give. Like, it doesn't work that way, and there usually isn't anything left. Any of us who are good budgeters know there's not usually much left at the end of the month, right? Um, Again, especially in Santa Barbara, when so much of 50% of our money goes to rent. So, um, but yeah, it's been really, really cool to just be able to trust God and watch him provide in all those ways. Um, So, is there anything else I want to say about that before I talk about, hold on, hold on, sorry. Um, oh yeah, I did want to share about a way that I personally got to experience honoring God with my wealth and his multiplication, um, early on when I was a college student and I just had this tutoring job where I got back then, this was a lot of money. It's not that much now, but every week, um, I would tutor this kid and the, the mom would just give me a hundred dollar bill. And, um, I would put it, (laughs) I would just put it in this rainy day money jar that I had in my room. I just stuffed the hundred dollar bills in there. And, um, but then I used that money to, um, just, I, I loved giving. I've always loved giving. And I would, um, one of the big things I would do was when I moved out to Isla Vista, the Lord really convicted me about, reaching out to our neighbors. And so we started having these dinners where we'd invite the neighbors. And so I would finance the dinners out of my rainy day money jar. And there was a lot of money that went out into paying for those dinners because we had them every week and it would cost, you know, a good 50 to $70 to pay for the meals every week. Um, And so I just like, I didn't count it. I didn't freak out about it. I just generously gave and honored God with the, the blessing he'd given me. And then when Jason and I got engaged and we were um, opening up our bank account together. We that was like our seed money was my rainy day money jar, and he was there, right? You were there when it happened. We started pulling the money out of my rainy day money jar, and just all this money kept coming and kept coming. And we're like, for sure, God multiplied this money because there was like thousands of dollars in there. <laughs> I had like been spending so much of it on financing those dinners, but um, so that was just fun, you know, to see. Um, So, yeah, okay. Now I want to transition a little bit to just 
understanding that this principle of first fruits, because I think this is maybe even what the Lord, a lot of this, like it can really challenge us and test our hearts and like where are we at with trusting God when it comes to money. And I think that's, like I said, a big part of why the Bible talks so much about it. Um, But I feel like actually something God really wants to bring to us, a challenge to us today, is this idea of the first portion or the first fruits and how it applies not just to money, but to everything. And um, specifically even our time and our energy and like our day and just putting him first even in our day. And so I... I've been really convicted because I'm like, I haven't done a good job of doing this. Um, I spend time with the Lord, like when I'm nursing Annabelle and I've been reading my one-year Bible and I'm only like three days behind. So I'm not like doing horrible with spending time with him, but I still will get up and like have all the things I need to do, you know? And I've kind of been in this like frantic place because um, Annabelle's not really a napper. And so for the last year, even though she sleeps in in the morning and I could get up and spend time with Jesus, I always feel frantic. Like it's the only time I have to get anything done. So I have to like do all these things. And, um, and so I'm like, oh Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't been doing first fruits with giving you. And I could right now, you know, sometimes you have a baby and they get up at like 5 a.m. So there is no quiet time before that because they wake you up, but she's not like that. So I have no excuse right now other than me just not putting him first. So I'm confessing that to all of you and maybe you will be convicted too. But I'm like, okay, Lord, I did, I did today. <laughs> I'm like, I'm speaking on this. I'm going to do it today and yesterday. But, um, so yeah, that that he wants us to give him the first, right? And I actually was really good about doing this in college. And um and I was busy, you know, as a busy student, like all college students and had all sorts of extracurricular stuff I was doing. But um I'm a very I was a very serious student. I was a straight A student and school, you know, I took it very seriously. And I, I liked learning. I went to Westmont and I, I love my classes, but I'm a slow student. Like I'm a very thorough, methodical, slow, you know, you guys know me, I'm kind of slow, right? So, um, so I, it took me a lot of time to get my schoolwork done and I took it seriously. So it was hard for me to not feel stressed and feel like I can't get all of the studying done that I need to do. And, um, and I was doing pre-med, but I was also like a religious studies major. So I had a lot going on even academically. And I was in, it was really the year that I was in, I think it was my sophomore year that I was in, um, organic chemistry, which is kind of, you know, one of the like hardest classes in university for the most part. So, um, And a lot of people, like, it's really hard to get a genuine A because it's, like, really they ask you to memorize more than is almost humanly possible. And, um, but there was a lot of stuff happening, like, even in the United States and in our city, like, worship movements happening in those years. It was, like, 1999, right at the turn of the century. And there's kind of, like an awakening, you know, I don't know. But, um, and so I was, and I was like stirred up and on fire for Jesus. So it, it really was this year that God like caused me to have to learn this principle, really, I would say of first fruits and just a deeper level of surrender and like recognizing, Hey, I've made school an idol and I need to make Jesus first. And I need to like prioritize time with him. And, I need to trust that as I do that, he will make everything else fall in place, right? And um, 
And I really had such a testimony from that year of as I put him first, he multiplied the rest and he made everything work for me. And even there was this one specific moment or day where there was going to be a worship night and I felt like the Lord wanted me to go to this worship night. It was like going to be a bigger worship night, but I had an organic chemistry test the next day and I really needed to study because there was so much that I needed to still learn. And it was this pull and I just, okay, but I'm going to be in faith and I'm going to put God first. And I, this is not, for those of you who are not good students, this is not your excuse to just be like, I'm putting Jesus first and I'm not going to study. Okay, that was not me. So you need to be in faith with God, what God's called you to do. For me, it was going to be a much bigger stretch to go to the worship night and trust God with my organic chemistry test, right? So others of you, he's saying, stay home and study, focus, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so be in faith. What is he calling you to? <laughs> That's the underlying thing here too, right? Um so anyway, I went to the worship night, and I, I still studied, but I just, you know, I put it in God's hands. And the next day, I took the chemistry test. It was very stressful because I didn't know everything on it. But guess what? Like, the whole class struggled with the test, and so on the curve, I still got an A. And God totally helped me, too. I could tell he was, like, helping me remember more than I had learned, right? So, so he multiplied my efforts. That is, that's my, yeah, that's my testimony there. Um, so anyway, putting God first. And also one of the things, all right, I'm going to go into this page and I'm going to be done. Um, yeah, right. Or you wanted, what time do you want us to end? 5.30, 5.20? No, 5.20 is right now. Um, you, you all went really long with all this stuff this morning. So, or I mean earlier. All right. So it's really about surrender, right? That's, that's what we're coming back to. It's really about surrender. It's operating in such a way that we're fully surrendered to Jesus and putting him first in our lives. That is really, I think, the heart of this principle of first fruits. It's, it's putting Jesus first, right? It's putting him first with our money because we're trusting him in everything. It's putting him first with our time because he is our priority and because we're going to trust him with our time and our schedules and what all we have to do. It's putting him first with our energy. It's putting him first in our hearts. It's a lot of the songs we sang already earlier, right? Um, and then we're trusting that he will multiply it. He'll multiply what we have to offer, no matter how little it might be. And so that brings us to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. So um, let's read that. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And so it doesn't really make sense in the natural, right? It doesn't make sense financially to to give, you know, 10% of our income. It doesn't make sense to, 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 we have all this stuff to do today and yet we're going to go spend an hour with Jesus. Like that doesn't make sense, right? But that's trusting him. That's saying I'm trusting him with my whole heart. I'm not leaning in, uh, on my own understanding. And we're acknowledging him. Part of that um, in all our ways acknowledging him is recognizing he's God, and everything we have comes from him, and it all belongs to him, and it all should be given back to him anyway, right? And it also, and this could be a whole nother talk, but I'm giving you like a two-minute version, helps us to live generously and not be miserly and just recognize, wow, like we, it's so fun to give. It's so fun to give to God. It's so fun to give to others. It's so fun to bless other people. God loves a cheerful giver. It means it's meant to bring joy to us. It's not this like you have to thing. 
And it's so true. It's so true. Like anybody who, that's actually, however long you're willing to give, that's really what I want to, what I want to end with is, um, know that like anybody who wants to share a testimony, when you've put God first, because anybody who's done that, whether it's with money, whether it's with your time, like you've gotten to experience the joy of that kingdom principle, right? Amen. Anybody? Have you done that? Yeah. So does anybody want to share? Do you have like a really cool testimony? A really short, really cool testimony of a time that you have put God first in your life, really in any area, but I mean, time, finances, those types of things. And you've watched him bless and multiply the rest. All right. The podcast audience will appreciate this. Hi. Uh, I, I used to be a Jehovah's Witness. Sorry about that. Um, sorry. Um, we never give to the homeless, so I decided when I was going to be a home, no longer a Jehovah's Witness and just the follower of Jesus, I would give to the homeless. So one day I was playing the piano on the street. I made $500, which is, of course, not real to God because it really belongs to him, doesn't it? And so I decided to do a little social experiment with myself, see if I could give it all away, which I did, which was very scary at first. And actually what happened was I got more work, got more piano lessons, and uh, yeah, receive free, give free, right? That's the way, even to your enemies. So that's the way to live. It works. God will actually show up. He really does. But it's a trust exercise, and it's scary, isn't it? Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's powerful. Who else? I could walk it to you. Oh, they're coming. Carlos, Lala. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, oh, my gum. Hold on. You guys remember the gum? Um, <clears throat> the gum episode? Um, years ago, maybe like 20 years ago, um, I got a check for a job. It was like two grand, and I was going to use it specifically for gear, for music gear. I knew I needed to kind of ramp up, and, you know, I had a hearty head, like everything listed out and budgeted. And one day the Lord was like, I had this check. I think I had already deposited it. And he was like, that is not, that's not your money. And I was like, you're funny, Lord. And so, um, you know, like, t like a few days went by and I knew, I was like, this is, this is not my money. So there was a specific thing that he wanted me to give to. So I did that and um, it was all of it. I, I gave all of it and it was really hard. I mean, uh, truth be told, I was like, wow, that was a little bit of a stretch for me. And so um, a few days later, somebody uh, came up to me and was like, hey, I really felt on my heart that... I'm supposed to give you $10,000 for, like, gear, you know? And I was like, what? Excuse me? And it was pretty wild, you know? Like, I got a check for, like, 500% increase. Yeah, it was pretty wild. That was, a, that's, you know, because I didn't tell anything to anybody. And I just got this fat check, and I, you know, spent that on some gear. But that's it. That was so good. I'm just going to share a real quick story because 10,000 is the same number. But I was in this wrestling match with God, too, because I felt like the Lord was like, you need to give up your um, your 
10 by 10 shed to turn it into the Isla Vista worship, you know, so they can use it. And this is before any of our music ever hit, any albums, nothing. And this guy, Jake Hamilton, came through, prophesied to me about it too. I was still like, I don't know if this is the Lord. I need this shed. Um, so this went on for a while, but I just felt so like not right inside. And so I literally gave it up. Mac was our worship leader at the time, the guy who started Isla Vista Worship. And within like 24 hours, he gutted my whole shed, took everything out, soundproofed it all, was like ready to go. I was like, come on, Lord. And then the next day, or within a week at least, this mom catches this vision. Like no one even told her of our music and what it was going to do in the world. And she, her and her husband literally write a check for $10,000 so we can get all the gear and everything we needed to start the movement. Yeah, pretty rad. So, hi, I'm Laura. Um, my husband and I, Keith, who's not here at the moment, um, we've been married 25 years. And from day one, I know, it's awesome. Uh, I love him more today than I did when I met him in high school. High school, we've been friends since then. Um, but we made a decision uh, about finances uh, as a couple. And I think it's enriched our relationship. And I want to share that as a testimony. Um, that we made a deal, essentially, when he felt called to give something, I would never say no, and we'd pray over it. If I felt called to give something, he'd never say no, and we would do it as in partnership and never never allow money to have a toehold, a foothold, or a stronghold over our relationship. And there's been moments in our life where that has, um, money has threatened, perhaps, our relationship one of the major arguments in relationships is over money and finances. Historically, we've never had one argument about money <laughs> because we have decided that money won't win. And there's been times where you've had to give extremely generously in ways that we have to. It's actually what we're saying is, is money has no power in our relationship. And so we hand over what hurts financially because we're claiming what heaven is doing in our relationship and through us. That's what I want to share. All the single people are like, oh, snap. And the married couples are like, okay, <laughs> okay now. <laughs> Richard's going for it. So years ago, God had me to be involved with the prison ministry. So I'm in and out the prisons eight hours a day, seven days a week. There's no church support, zero support. And I had a beautiful car. I said, V8. So one day I was going in the morning, I check it out. I'm on empty. I said, Lord, have mercy. You know, according to your word, according to the, in, the, in Christ Jesus, you will provide every, all of my need according to your riches glory in the Philippines. So I said, Lord, I need to go. So I need your mercy. So I got in the car, started up. I don't know what to do. So I drove. And I to the first stoplight, which is about half a mile away. And I, at a red light, I'm stopping and, and kind of looking to the gas gauge and watch God put gas in my car. So I'm down for the day. You know, I go to eight hours. I have all the errands to rounds and everything like that. I got home, still empty. Next morning, I need to go again. Still no money, no gas. Still sound empty. Lord, help. 
I mean, if that's kind of in a reserve tank, not in a VA, not going to last that very long. Lord, I'm terrified. I need your mercy. And the same thing again at the light. God put gas in the car. Go home, same thing. The third day come, zero money. Now, how lucky are you going to get? Two days, just the third day. I'm terrified I'm going to get stuck somewhere on the road, right? And through his mercy, he put gas in the car again. Three days in a row. The end of the day, some brother come over here, here's a $2 for you. So I put, hurry, put that in the gas. Three days in a row watching God do miracles. And I was just like, I was truly amazed. But that was not the only time. That was not the only time. There was another time I was out of job. I had three mouths to feed. I had no income. I walked the dog. The woman in the park knew my situation, and she was doing all the worry for me. And I was sharing with her what God did, put gas in my vehicle. And of course, as I walk home, I start getting worried again. Okay, now where I'm going to powder, I'm going to put food on the table. And just about a block from home, somebody stopped me and hollered at me and said, hey, come, come to my house. And he went to his freezer, grabbed hold of two bags of a grocery sack of frozen salmon from Alaska. Here's for you. I just came back from Alaska. And other neighbor has been brought in fresh produce from their yard. So we live up like king. And a few more weeks again, then he start bringing more of the frozen salmon. So when you, whenever you put God first, he remembers you. I love that. We had, uh, we had this guy release all these like gas testimonies like 15 years ago. And then like several people in our church are like, dude, I'm going to go for it. They all ran out of gas, dude. It was hilarious. <laughs> but... Uh, during that time, though, the Lord used it, too, because there was this Asian ministry at UCSB that I did not want to speak at, and, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to go, and I had like a quarter of a tank, less than a quarter, and I just was like, well, Lord, if you can get me there, because I just don't even want to go. Anyway, I've grown up. I had a bad attitude back then, but the Lord, he multiplied my gas. Like, he, I left uh, and had more when I got there than when I came, so it was rad. Yeah, I had to go like two hours at least. Um, who, anyone else, or do you want it back? There's a lot of testimonies up in here. Okay, people. So this one's more about tithing our time. Um, Holly was mentioning school as an idol. In high school, my grades, my academic success, where I went to college was everything to me. I would not spend time with the Lord because I'd be doing my homework. And when I was 17, I strongly felt the Lord calling me to not go to college, but to go to ministry school and to tithe not one year, but the first five years of my adult life to him. And so I lived in Reading and um, God provided everything during my time there. And it was so hard to see all of my friends going to college and feeling like I was like behind in life. But I will say that the foundation spiritually and emotionally and the sense of purpose that was laid during that time has carried me through to this day. And when I did um, transfer to Westmont at 26 years old. <laughs> um, it was such a completely different experience because I was able to use what I learned and that sense of purpose and that sense of discipleship to really invest in a way that I wouldn't have if I gone at 18. And even this past year, working at the college, like again, that sense of 
specific calling that like God instilled in me because I gave him that time has just been like a huge focus. So um, I think there's so many ways to tithe, not just our money, but our time and even seasons of life where like right now I'm in a sabbatical season and so I'm specifically not investing in ways that I would have, but there's so much fruit of rest. Um, and so it's so just important to know like what God is calling us to tithe in certain seasons and he will bless that. Um, I just, yeah, I just think I, I've had a, a gas miracle. It was, I think, the second miracle since I got saved. But just really encourage you that what Holly uh, said about tithing, that it really, really is a spiritual law. And it's just something that God has set up like gravity. I really love that. And I can't tell you how many times Jez and I have had no money, no money, no money even to put food on the table. And we have chosen to tithe. When the business was bottom, bottom out, where we couldn't even take salary because our priority was to keep our staff employed and none of it made sense. But after we tithed, it was just crazy seeing so I can just, I mean, I could talk for hours, but it's like, it's so important. And, you know, I really encourage you, even if you don't get it, try it and allow the Lord to show you because it's just such an incredible, I always say to my kids, you know, you can hate me for constantly telling you to read your Bible and tithe <laughs> and love whoever put, you know, God puts in front of you. But yeah, the money thing's huge um, and yeah, big deal. Sweet. There is the yep, okay. Hey y'all, so about like, I don't know, a year and some change ago, I was in San Francisco and I loved it there. Um, my whole community was there, everything like was amazing and I wanted to stay so badly and I did not want to come back to Santa Barbara um, at all. <laughs> and I was like looking for every excuse to stay in San Francisco, I hated it here. And um, <laughs> God was like, too bad, you have to go back to Westmont. And I said, I don't want to go back to Westmont. Um, and uh, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to surrender this to you, and I'll give it to you. But I didn't have the money to go to Westmont, so I was like, yeah, if you want me to go, you got to pull through this money for me to go. I needed $25,000, and um, I'll never forget, I was at work one day, and I get a call, and I didn't even recognize the number I wasn't going to pick up, but I answered it. And the lady's like, hey, this is the financial aid department of Westmont College. Just calling to let you know this woman came out of nowhere and says that she wants to pay $25,000 for you to go to Westmont. So <laughs> I was like, dang, I got to go back. But um, it was nice because, like, you know, I think just surrendering that to God, you know, he always comes through. So, yeah. That is crazy. You know what? Just for that, it was just a dollar. Amen. I'm kidding. Um, okay, so basically, this was uh, like Joanne was saying. Uh, it's a time of like tithing my tithing my time and obedience to God. So, 
God told me I had done circuit riders. This is how I met Mark. Came here. Yay. Um, and we were going on a second tour, and I was running out of money because I couldn't, I don't know, I sucked at fundraising, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> but I was like, Lord, I'm going to do it and call all these people and whatever. Raise some money. It was great. Um, and so there's two things that happened. Basically, the first time we were on a break, we were getting ready to go. And I was like, Lord, I have no money. But one of my supporters had called me who had helped me last tour. And we were praying. I was at a coffee shop, as usual, um, praying for her. And then some guy randomly, didn't even hear what I was talking about, didn't hear I was praying, like, came up to me. He was like, I'm burning. I feel so hot. He's like, I feel like God wants me to, like, help you out. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you're going. Um, what do you, do you can I, how can I give you money right now? And I was like, you're kidding. And so this man gets my cash. I'm like, oh, he's probably going to send me 50 bucks. Me and my friend are walking back to the car. I was like, yes, God, that's so cool. Boy sends me $500 random, like random dude who ended up owning this whole brewery in Sacramento. It was like crazy. So then I was like, that was the money I needed to go. So I go, but then I'm running out of money <laughs> and I got like $100 left. And so the last miracle was, I felt like God was, on this tour, God was telling me to do the school as well and, and worship lead. And I was like, heck no, I drum, I'm sitting behind the cage, heck no. Um, and God was like, no, you're going for sure. So I didn't tell anybody. I was like, whatever, God, you're funny. Um, kid, this kid from New Zealand or something who was on my team had prayed that morning, went to Starbucks while we were on finishing the tour. It was like, a, like we had two weeks left. And I had no money. I literally was like, I can't buy anything. I have to like stay here. And this kid comes back and he's like, that night he goes, Sam, hey, come here. Can you talk to me real quick? I was like, yeah, what's up, bro? Like, how you doing? We're like joking around. He's like, hey, like I was praying this morning about you and God told me to give you some money um, for the rest of this tour. And I was like, what the heck? And I started crying. It was crazy. And then he goes, actually, I heard him say that you wanted to do... Um, the school for circuit riders and worship lead. And he's like, I think God told me to pay for that whole thing. And that was like $1,200. And I didn't, but he didn't tell me how much it was. He's a, he just said a amount. I get home from the tour and I'm like, next day going to fundraise. I wake up to a cash app and his name was Sam. So I was so confused. I was like, how did I send myself money? And I just woke up. I was like, this is crazy. I sent myself $1,200. And I home, it was, but I was like, oh, it's him. And he had sent me everything I needed. I didn't even have to fundraise. I just like, it, it was God, like, boom, moving everything away. So that was a vibe. I felt real uh, led just quickly to release a real estate testimony. Um, so the market's been horrible. My buddy, who used to be Chris Valentin's assistant uh, years ago, but now he's in real estate. They they haven't had any deals forever, and uh, he hasn't. And his wife's like, have you been giving? He's like, yeah, I think so. But then he realized he hadn't been giving for a long time, and he's like a total research dude. So he goes back in all of his books, figures out the exact number that he should have been giving to the Lord. You know, he gives that number to God just in faith. Okay, they don't even have money, just kind of thing, just give it. And within the next week, five deals just come into place for him and his family. It was just, like, you can't even make that stuff up. You cannot make that stuff up. <laughs> okay. See, it's fun to give. <laughs> and if you haven't been walking in this, now you can see there is fun and blessing available for Giving to God first, your first fruits of money, time, 
energy, whatever he's asking you to give. I mean, the tithe is simple, right? You make $500, you give 50, you make 5,000, you give 500. Um, one last thing on that note is, um, well, two things. Okay, so one is if any of you are students or you just have really, really low-paying jobs because you're young, um, that is, even like our kids, we try to remember to always teach this to them, like you just made $50 selling brownies, are you going to tithe? You need to tithe on that, right? Like So pay your, give $5 to Jesus. Or give more because, you know, you can't give God. There's crazy stories people have of like, you know, if you want to, you don't give to get and to be blessed, so don't do that because God won't bless that. <laughs> but just give out of joy and out of faith, and like God will multiply it back, right? So, um, but anyway, you know, give with the little you have because if you think it's hard to give $5 out of your 50 and you're waiting for when you have 500 so you can give $50, right? It's, it only gets harder. Like, do you think it's going to be easy to give God a million dollars when you just made a hundred million dollars? No, that's not going to be easy, right? Ten million. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, math. Okay, so um, so you give with whatever you're being blessed with, and I also personally don't believe in the whole like, well, my parents support me. It's my parents' money. I'm like, no. If you're being given it, like that's what I did. My parents were very kind and supported me through college and I had a budget and they, I paid for all my expenses out of that budget. I gave out of that budget, whatever, I don't remember what it was back then, a lot less than it would need to be today. But um, yeah, you just give 10% because that's kind of, if you're a student, it's that's like your job, right? So if your parents are supporting you in that, then treat it as your job and that's your income and you can give out of that. And God, it lays a foundation too, right? So that it was really easy when I started having my own jobs to just give because I was already really used to it. And you get to experience that blessing with the Lord. So, all right, I'll pray. Okay. No, it's good. Um, why don't all you stand who are just in a tight place, whether it's with your finances or your first fruits in the morning, you just know you have white knuckles going on with an area that Holly kind of hit on today. So just get up if that's you, if you're white knuckling something, and then Holly's going to pray over you specifically, and then all of us. (laughs) God, we just thank you that you are so good, and we thank you that your kingdom is actually full of fun and joy and righteousness and peace and that you are so trustworthy. And so God, we just, we actually want to even just repent of places that we've been holding back from you. God, just like I already confessed, I just repent and say sorry for not giving you the first fruits of my day every day. And instead thinking I've got to just make things happen myself. But Lord, you, when we surrender, you're just so faithful. And so we just want to come Right now, we just want to declare your faithfulness. I pray for everyone in this room that is holding anything back from you, God, that we would just have clarity on that and that we would have conviction and that we would turn from that and we would just turn back to full and total surrender and that you would give us your grace to just say, God, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you with our time. We trust you with our money. We trust you with the season we're in. We trust you with the things you're calling us to, Lord. We want to be obedient, not just because we want to, 
you know, be like these servants, but we want to be obedient because we trust that you have something better for us and that it's actually a joy to walk in obedience to our Father because you're so good. You're so faithful. You're so trustworthy. So I pray that that, those realities would just sink in, Lord, that we would just find so much joy and peace in giving you our first fruits of everything in our lives, God. Yeah, we just bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, family. Good times, good times. I think we're going to land it here. Um, You know, just a reminder where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's freedom. You're so free. When it comes to giving, you're so free. And the love of God has nothing to do whether you're giving generously or stingy. God's love is the same. This is about our hearts being freed up, right? Because if we're white-knuckling anything in life, you are not free. And so money is the, one of the easiest things to white-knuckle and can take your trust, your heart, your life in a total different direction than God would want to take it. So.